All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and then 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen for that song. As pastor would say, that makes you want to take a spiritual lap. You don't want to see me take a physical lap. You'd all be laughing, and then I would lose all control of, the, of everybody, so we won't do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll start out there, and then we'll get to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 here in just a few minutes. As you're turning there, if you were to go to the local bookstore and browse their self-help section, you will discover that being strong and assertive is the rage. You'll rarely discover or find a bestseller promoting weakness as the way to succeed. The idea of admitting one's incompetence is not really something that motivational books or speakers applaud. The prosperity gospel and their ministry do not thrive on telling its audience that they are helpless and lack ability. On the contrary, they become popular by telling their audience that they have inherent potential. In the secular world, motivational speakers are constantly affirming that you can do anything you set your mind to. They tell you stories that thrill us and encourage us to strive to improve. After all, as children are often told, you too can become president. Or if you discipline yourself, you too can be in the Olympics one day. Have you ever tried and tried to do right, to think right, to feel right, but continue to fail at it? About the time you think you have it going, you either get off track or you become proud about your performance. So you try a little harder. You do okay and for a bit and then you stumble, stumble again. No matter how much I try to do right, think right and feel right, I will continue to fail. In my own strength, I am too weak. But according to God's word, when I confess my weakness, I will experience the immense power of God to be victorious. The great man of God, the Apostle Paul, understood this great paradox. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 9 and 10. It says, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul here gives us the secret to his strength. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. The grace of God was the secret to his strength. Many times we think we're just supposed to be stronger Christians. More disciplined in the Christian life. More of a man if you're a man, or a stronger woman if you're a woman. However, this morning at some point, the arm of flesh will fail you. 
you are going to continually come to the, you're going to eventually come to the point where you can't keep doing it on your own. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 and 7 says, Thus saith the Lord, all caps, Lord Jehovah, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Are we supposed to be super Christians? Absolutely not. God is not looking for super Christians. There's only one super Christian, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what God wants you and I to do? Every single day of our life, God wants us to find His special grace for the next step of our journey. God is not looking for a workaholic, the perfect husband, the perfect wife, the perfect teenager, someone who has never messed up. He is looking for someone who is going to a step into the realm of living in the grace of God. In other words, God wants us to find His grace in our weakness. What is the grace of God? Well, some would describe the grace of God as an acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. I agree. That is very much what grace is. It's unmerited favor of God and salvation. But there's much more to grace. Grace is the strength and help of God to live our Christian life. In other words, let me just put it real low. Grace is God's strength to do the next right thing. Let me say it again. God's grace is His strength to do the next right thing. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through a trial or a storm of life. Maybe you're here this morning, you're being tempted. You're dealing with a besetting sin. Maybe you're here this morning, you're weak physically and or spiritually. And maybe you're here this morning, you're just ready to give up on the Christian life. Whatever you're facing this morning, God wants to give you His grace and strength to help you this morning. Paul was a man of God who, pay, who faced many trials and temptations. But you know, Paul found God's strength and grace in his weakness. And this morning, with God's help, I want to preach a sermon on finding God's grace in our weakness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for this wonderful truth. It is totally against what the world teaches us. It is totally against what we hear proclaimed all around us. But Lord, it is exactly what we need to understand to be victorious in our Christian life. Lord, as you have worked in my heart this, these last three, four, five, six months about this idea of being weak and you being strong, I pray that I would be able to be your messenger this morning. Fill me with your power. Pray that they would not hear me this morning, but that they would hear your word and that they would hear you and that Holy Spirit, you'd work in hearts as only you can do. We will give you all the praise and all the honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're not already there, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll stay there for the rest of the time this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses number 7, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. The Word of God says in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. As we think about finding God's grace in our weakness, let's consider, first of all, Paul's thorn, the nature of Paul's thorn. Look at verse number 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. What was the personality of this thorn? Paul tells us about the nature of the, of the trial or the thorn he endured by giving us two words to describe it. The words thorn and buffet. The word thorn comes from a word which refers to a sharp wooden stake to torture or impale someone. Then the word buffet means to strike with the fist, to mistreat. Whatever it was that Paul endured here, It was to him like being beaten with an open fist or being impaled on a stake. Quite a picture that would be able to be brought to our mind. Now, I'm sure all of you are sitting there and the million dollar question this morning is, what was Paul's thorn? And you're all probably wanting me to just go off on this really long side note and talk to you about what Paul's thorn was. Well, sorry to disappoint all of you. I'm not going to do that this morning. I will just give you what some people suggest. But I want to draw an application here. And that's really the most important thing I want to do, not worry about what his thorn was. Some have suggested that Paul may have suffered from an eye disease, which faded his eyesight and enlarged his facial appearance. Some have suggested that it was malaria, epilepsy, or some other physical affliction. But we see here, Paul says, and he he says in verse 7, that the thorn was the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Very interesting phrase there. One thing we know for sure about Paul's thorn this morning is that it may have been carried out by Satan, but it was conceived by God. Let me say that again. It was carried out by Satan, but it was conceived by God. God allowed this thorn in Paul's life. And whatever thorn you might be facing this morning, however the the devil is buffeting you, however, whatever you're dealing with this morning, 
It is part of God's plan for your life. That's not a popular thing to say this morning. And I'm sure you all came to be more to be uplifted. I'll uplift you at the end with the promise of God's you know divine grace, but We all go through things this morning. And maybe you're sitting there and no one knows you have a thorn in your life. A lot of times, at least for me, I'm pretty good at putting on that facade that looks like I'm all right. But if you know me, especially my wife, she can see right through it. And she'll say, what's wrong? And she'll know something's wrong. You might be dealing with something this morning and no one knows what you're dealing with. You're, you're putting on that facade. But remember, it's part of God's plan. God ordained that thing in your life. And notice verse 7, it also says that this thorn was in the flesh. You know, often thorns and buffetings we are called to endure will manifest themselves in, a phys- in the physical realm through sickness or other forms of physical suffering. At other times, we will endure emotional pain, such as depression, loneliness, and heartache. Let me say one thing about depression. In, in Baptist circles, it's almost as if you're, if you're in depression and you're struggling, you are a heathen and you should be kicked out of the church. I'm just going to be real honest with you this morning. That's the way people treat people that struggle with depression. And let me just say that is wrong. Now, I don't, I'm not here to say you should just wallow in that and not turn to God. But we should not treat people that struggle with depression as if they have some deficiency in the Christian life. If that's the case, then I guess I'm, I need to be thrown off this, pulp, this platform. Because there's times where I get discouraged. And I get depressed. But praise God, God comes along and He says, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes our thorns will be spiritual in nature. Maybe you're here this morning, you're doubting your salvation. You're struggling with holiness. You're battling temptations. You're dealing with a besetting sin. Or maybe you're dealing with spiritual pride. Suffering can come in many different shapes. We can hurt. We hurt on many different levels this morning. And many times, as I already said, people don't even know you're suffering. And those thorns can cause us to feel very weak and utterly helpless. So we see the personality of this thorn. Then we see the persistence of this thorn. The word buffet is a verb. And I'm going to get a little academic on you this morning. I'm sorry. Kind of comes out naturally being the principal of the school. You know, with the beard, you know. All right. I just had to say that because everybody's probably like, he's got a beard. They haven't seen it already. Um, how self, you know, I'm just, yeah, let me just get off that really fast. It's going to digress really fast. Um, and we have visitors here this morning. They're probably like, what is up with that church? Um, the word buffet is a verb. and It's in the present tense, active voice. Now, some of you are thinking, I don't even know what that means. Let me just give it to you real simple. It tells us that this thorn was continual in nature. In other words, he lived with this thing all the time. He even asked God three times for relief from this thorn. And God answered his prayer. God answered his prayer. But the problem was still there. 
There may be things that you and I are called to endure, and they may not be over in an hour or a few days. We wish they were. Some people, for God's own reasons, are given thorns and buffetings that seem to endure for years. But when those thorns come and the buffetings come in your life, and they linger in your life, don't be discouraged this morning. God is doing something special in your life. And in His time, He will make it perfectly clear. You'll understand, especially when you get to heaven, why God allowed you to go through that. And a lot of times on this earth, God reveals that much later in life, why He allowed you to go through something. And it's all all in how we react, child of God. We have to react in the right way. It determines the outcome. Maybe you're here and you're going through a time like this right now. You feel utterly helpless and, and weak. And if you're not this morning and you're sitting there thinking, man, my life's pretty good. Just wait. <laughs> There'll be some, some, uh, something happening down the road. And by the way, I'm getting ahead of myself. Even if your life's all peachy and a bed of roses, you are still weak before God. Man is that Job chapter 14, verse 1 says, Man that is born of, of, of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Amen. And just encouraging this morning. Ecclesi- I just thought I'd find the most encouraging passages to give to you this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 23, For all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also is, va- this is also vanity. Remember that God, even if you're going through something this morning, God is not going to allow that thing you're going through to touch a part of your life that he doesn't want it to touch. Remember Job? He went through some stuff. And my wife pointed this out the, uh, the other night. She said, you know, Job... God, God just asked Job question after question after question after question after, he, after all that happened to him. And at the end of that, I think it's chapter 4, I don't remember the chapter now, what did he say? He basically said, I realize you are God, the creator. You're the one that's ordained what's going on in my life. And I'm going to allow that to do whatever it needs to do. And that's where we need to be. Now, I'm not standing up here saying it's easy, because it's not. Remember Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. There's a man, um, his name was, Al, uh, he's a pastor, and, Al, and his name's Alan Carr. He said about this thorn, and I thought this was good, I'm going to read it for you. Perhaps it is good that we do not know what Paul's problem was. If Paul had named his thorn, then we might conclude that the promises of God associated with that thorn were only good for others with the same problem. But since we do not know what he suffered from, we can apply the promises he received to the situations we face. So we see the nature of Paul's thorn. Secondly, we see the purpose of Paul's thorn. Look at verse 7 and 8. And unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart 
from me. The purpose of Paul's thorn. The first purpose we see here that was obviously very important to this passage because it was stated twice is that Paul's thorn was there to regulate, if you will, the flesh. Our flesh is weak. And he said, lest I be exalted above measure. And he said it twice. This phrase here means to lift one's oneself above one's place. Because of all the revelations Paul had been given, we see in verses one through six, and because of all the mighty ways God, in which God was using him, there was a danger that Paul might try to, that, that Paul might be tempted to take the glory of all that for himself. Therefore, God gave Paul this thorn in the flesh to regulate his flesh. It was sent to remind him that this thing was about God and not about him. It was sent to keep him humble. If we're honest with ourselves this morning, we have the same tendency. There's just something in each one of us that enjoys flexing our spiritual and maybe even our physical muscles. We, we just enjoy it. Why? Because we're a fallen person. We, we're, we have a sin nature. And when, when somebody you know, applauds us or, or says something about us, maybe I'm the only one that struggles with it. By, by the way, I'm being sarcastic. Um, but we enjoy that a little bit, okay? Now, we better hope and pray that God smacks us like he has so many times with me and says, no, it's not you that did that. By the way, everything I have is because of God. And there's nothing good that I even deserve. And if I have anything, it is by the grace of God. But we struggle with that. There's something in us that wants to claim the glory for ourselves. But what are we and what can we do without God? We are nothing and we can do nothing. John 15, verse 5. For without me, you can do, ye can do a little bit. For without me, you'll probably do a, a, a small amount and then I'll do the rest of it. No. What does it say? For without me, ye, ye can do nothing. Period. End of the sentence. Sufferings and troubles remind us of that fact. One of the purposes of thorns and buffetings of our, in our lives, it reminds us, one of the purposes is it reminds us that we are flesh and we need God's help and we need God's power to get anything done. And a time of crisis will very quickly remind you how weak and frail you really are. Not only do we see that thorn, the thorns of life regulate the flesh, but they also will rejuvenate our faith. Notice that in verse number 8, Paul's trials drove him to his knees. When he began to hurt, he began to seek the Lord in a fresh and a new way. You know, when, when life is easy and you're up on the mountain, sometimes you forget how much you need the Lord. We get slack in our devotions. We get slack in prayer. And then we just become, a, slowly but surely, if we don't stop ourselves, we become self-sufficient. But what does the song say? Lord, I need you. 
when the, 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 way, when the waves are tossing, and I obviously should have written, wrote down the lyrics to the song because I can't remember them now since I'm standing up here, but it also talks about when life is, is peaceful and everything's just fine, that's still when I need you as well. But we always think of needing God when things are going wrong. And any other time we're, we have this tendency, I'm not saying all of us do this, but we have this tendency to just get kind of complacent and, and just get into that routine. And not that routine is bad, but we just forget that God has, we need God every moment of our day. And the closer, and I'm getting to myself ahead of myself, but the closer you get to the Lord, the more you pray, the more weak you're going to feel. Trust me. Last six months, I've been trying my best to get close to God, pray as much as I can. You know how, you know what happens? I feel more weak and more weak and weaker and weaker, excuse me, weaker and weaker. Because why? The closer we get to God, the more we see who we really are. Difficulty will drive you to your knees. Remember Isaiah? When he saw the Lord high and lifted up, when he saw him as the holy God of heaven, what happened? He said, Woe is me. He realized who he was. Now, since all of this is true, and since the Lord knows that I am more apt to seek him when I hurt and when I have a need, doesn't it make sense that he will allow me to find myself in that position more often than not? Now, God's not going to make you do anything. We have a free will. So... God, if you want to just, you might be going through stuff and not responding in the right way. And if you don't respond in the right way, God is not going to force it in your life. But how much do we need to allow those things to really get to us and really show us where we are? And how much does it need to get us to, to drive us to our knees and say, God, I am weak. I can do nothing without you. May God help us to fear that we get to the point where we'll be able to do it on our own. Churches are a well-oiled machine, especially if you have a very active one. And we have a very active church. And we can get into the routine, and that machine can just click along real easily. And we can get caught up in that machinery, and we become robots doing everything we know to do. And down deep inside, we know we're not praying like we should. We know we're not reading our Bibles like we should. We know that we're self-sufficient and it's going to take something for God to wake us up to reality. And may God help us to never get to the place where we're self-sufficient. Let me ask you, what are you doing when you are needy and hurting? What do you, what do, you do? It's important that when God shows us how weak we truly are, we then run to him for help in time of need. If you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, you can, but I'm sure most of you know it. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may find help, grace... To, uh, we may find help in time of need. We need to run to God. God is one that knows our struggles. He knows where we are. God's grace is God's help at your point of need. 
So we see, we see the nature of Paul's thorn, verse 7. We see the purpose of Paul's thorn, verse 7 and 8. And then lastly, we see the promise in Paul's thorn. Verse number 9. And I'm going to read all the way down verse 7 through 9. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice what Paul says in verse number 7. He says, There was given to me. That the choice of the word there, obviously it's under the direct inspiration of God that this was written, but the word given there is very interesting, at least to me. Paul speaks as if this buffeting and this thorn was a gift. Let that sink in. When we are going through a time of severe trial, temptation, and or pain, we may not see it then, but that time is a gracious gift of God. How? You might ask. Well, there are a couple of precious promises that we see here in this passage that are fulfilled in the midst of our trial and temptation. In other words, these promises can help us understand how to find God's grace in our weakness. First of all, we see the promise of divine sufficiency. The promise of divine sufficiency. Notice Paul prayed for the thorn to be removed and the Lord answered his prayer, but he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. The word there, sufficient, means to be possessed of unfailing strength, to be enough. Doesn't that sound like the Lord Jesus Christ? He is sufficient. Let me say it again. That word means to be possessed of unfailing strength, to be enough. Doesn't that sound like the Lord Jesus Christ? He's sufficient. He possesses unfailing strength. He is enough. How many times have we looked at our situation, have I looked at my situation, and said, if only this problem was solved, or this thing was somehow different, then I could really serve the Lord. If I could just feel better, I could do something for Jesus. If my husband or wife was only saved, it would be so much easier for me to serve the Lord. If I was younger, smarter, or more talented, I could be used of God. What's the problem with all of that? What's the problem with that kind of thinking? It's all wrapped up in a four-letter word called self. And, when, and it talks about self can do it. It says, I am all I need, and if I could just work out a few more little details, then I could be so much more. Let me give you a little bit of tidbit of information about myself. I'm a perfectionist. You know the bad thing about perfectionists? Nothing ever pleases them. I have, I, these last six months, the Lord said, you know, you might be a perfectionist, and that's, that's great, and God can use that in certain ways to do the best that you can do, but most of it is not good. And God's been breaking me down, saying, you're not going to ever get to the point where you have done everything perfectly right. Now, 
You might say, well, don't you know that? You're a preacher of God's word. It's really easy to stand up here and say it all, and the rubber meets the road when we actually have to live it out. It's a lot easier to stand up here and tell you all that you'll never be able to attain to God's perfection and you don't need to try. But when you actually try to live it out, it's real hard. Not saying it can't be done, obviously. That would be totally undermining everything I just said up to this point. But my point is, we can't be perfectionists. In truth, we are nothing and we can do nothing without Jesus. And man, the Lord has been showing me that over and over and over again. If you're saved and walking in the will of God, then you're right where he wants you, problems and all. Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Psalm 40, verse 2, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Let me say it again, the truth is that we will never be enough, but Christ is is always more than enough. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Jesus says, My grace is sufficient. God's Grace is God's strength to do the next right thing, even when I feel weak. Another thing I like is everything to be planned out. I have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I have it all figured out. The Lord has a sense of humor. I'm just throwing that out there. And when I have plan A, B, C, and D, he usually messes all four of them and everything else up and just throws the whole curveball. And I go, okay, Lord, all right. But grace is not to worry about everything down the road and have everything planned out, even though that's my personality. God's grace is God's strength to do the next right thing, to take the next right step. And just to keep step by step, little by little, inch by inch, you know, the good old Patch Pirate song. Um, So we see the promise of divine sufficiency, and then we see the promise of divine sovereignty. The Lord Jesus Christ tells Paul that he was working out his divine sovereign plan in his life. And he reminded Paul that his plan would only be accomplished through God's strength. It was not the power of the Apostle Paul that would get the job done for Jesus. It was the power of God. It says that, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It wasn't Paul. And notice that phrase, and this is a phrase that I, I especially, the Lord's been just driving home in my heart and life. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That word strength comes from the Greek word, which means a miraculous supernatural power. It is a miracle when God's strength becomes manifested in our weakness. And don't ever, you know, we look for the big miracles. We look for the big answers to prayer. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong, but we get so caught up in the big stuff God's going to do that we forget that God is even working a, a, a miracle in the fact that he gives us the strength when we are so weak. That's a miracle in itself. May we not get so caught up in the big stuff that God wants to do that we forget the little stuff. May we just see God throughout our lives. The word perfect means to bring to completion, to accomplish or fulfill. In other words, when we receive God's grace and strength, we don't just get a little portion of it. 
we receive it in full and to the full. All for the purpose of accomplishing His perfect will in our lives. So when the Lord allows the thorns to pierce you and the trials and sufferings to buffet you, remember that He has a plan. And He's going to give you the grace and strength to accomplish it. You might say, well, I'm just a weak person. I'm just an ordinary, everyday, run-of-the-mill person. I'm not the one that stands up and preaches. I'm not the one that gets up and, get, gets up and sings. I'm not the one that trips over his words when he's trying to preach. Um, I'm just a weak person. Let me remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Paul says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Another great paradox, by the way. But remember, you might feel ordinary, but God has never needed strong, strapping, you know, spiritually strapping people to do his work. He just needed someone who is yielded to him and who realizes that they are really weak without God. And that's who God chooses to do mighty and great things that confound people. The world's going to look at you and go, why, is, why did God choose him? He can't hardly even speak and he trips over his words and he uses the wrong tense and verbs and how can God use him to do this, that, and the other thing? Well, God doesn't call people that have everything together because if he did, they probably would lift, be lifted up in pride. Now, I'm not saying I can't be lifted up in pride, but I'm just saying most of the time, if, you're, if you've got it all down, you're going to be lifted up in pride. Paul reminds us that the thorns and buffetings of life are not in vain. He says that, and, and I'll just quickly touch on this. This is not really the, the point, but notice the benefit he says. And I, it's, it, it's hard to say this, but he says, because of all this, therefore, verse 10, this is where I'm at, verse 10, therefore, because of all that he just said, all that we just went over this morning, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. May God help us to get to that point. Notice Paul says, for Christ's sake. These things that he endured were not part or were not result of foolish decisions on his part. He was suffering for Jesus. How much of what we face in our life is a result of our foolish choices and fleshly decisions. But it doesn't minimize the pain or the need to get to God. Let me, let me say that again. It does not, no matter what's happened in your life, it does not minimize the fact that you are going through things, you're going through pain, and it doesn't minimize the fact that you need to get to God and to yield to Him. But it does emphasize the need for us to walk in His will and not our own. What is your thorn this morning? What is buffeting you this morning? Maybe it's a sickness or some form of physical suffering. Maybe it is emotional pain, such as depression, loneliness, or heart, heartbreak. Maybe you're doubting your salvation. You're struggling with holiness. 
battling temptations, dealing with a besetting sin or spiritual pride. Maybe you've made some wrong choices in your life and you're suffering the consequences. No matter your thorn this morning, God's promises are still true. God's promises are still true. His promises and mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. No matter what you're going through this morning, and in a crowd this big, there's no doubt there are many people struggling this morning. Run to God. Instead of asking God why, come before Him and ask Him to show you what He's doing in your life. And be willing for Him to change you. None of us have arrived. This is hard for me too, being honest. It's hard for me too. I'm being transparent. That's also not very accepted in the culture of our world. You don't normally tell people that you're struggling, that's not manly. but it's not biblical either, okay? What's biblical is realize you're weak. And run to God, yield to him, allow him to change you, allow his grace to give you the strength to do what's right. Get up and do what's right. A just man falleth seven times and yet riseth up again. It's part of healing our hurts when we come to the place where we yield to God and to what he is doing in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for the grace that you so abundantly shower us with, Lord. We all can say this morning, no matter what we're going through, that we have been given an abundant amount of God's grace. But Lord, I pray that whatever people are going through this morning, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would take what has been said, the promises the truth of God's word and apply it to their hearts, Lord. Because that's what your word can do. It can take what I said and apply it in a totally different way, Lord. But I pray that you would have your free reign in this invitation. Work in hearts as only you can. And I pray that we would go away here changed, more like you. In Jesus' name I pray.